rated? Two for two. <laughs> Remember to do it again. Um, I'm uh, one of your hosts, Ryan Whedon. I'm another one of your hosts, Matt Fisher. Matt? Yes. I have to admit something that I'm very, very embarrassed about. I'm already salivating. <laughs> I found out this week that I have been pronouncing Shailene Woodley's name oh, wrong man. this entire time. I think we always kind of knew. <laughs> Why didn't you say anything? <laughs> well, I didn't know how it was pronounced. <laughs> yeah. How is it pronounced? Shailene Woodley. Shailene? Mm-hmm. How have we been pronouncing it? I've been saying Shalane Woodley. Oh. I feel uh, many apologies if you're listening, Shailene, and that's why you haven't reached out to us to come on the show. I'm officially apologizing to you here and now. Come on. You can make an amends. Yeah. We can, we can talk about any of your movies. I'm even willing to watch an Insurgent movie. You don't have to, Matt. You don't have to. I feel like with a name like that, she's got to be used to people <laughs> saying it wrong. Yeah, but to be claiming that you're one of her biggest fans. Have you made that claim? Are you one of her <laughs> biggest fans? I don't know about that. I am. A, I am a fan, though. Hmm. Just felt. Just felt awful. I don't know. Think how many Vincent Van Gogh fans? Because it's not Van Gogh. It's like Van Gogh or something. Super Scottish. Isn't that goth? Like the Klingon food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Klingon is probably close to, like, ancient Scottish. Yeah. Both in temperament and in culture. <laughs> they seem similar. I mean, in general. But yeah, I just had to get that out of the way. Clear the air. Get it off your chest. Yeah. Real real embarrassing moment for me. Wow. We're all starting anew. <laughs> how, was, how was your week? Anything, anything cool, movie fun thing you want to talk about? Uh, I watched a bunch of stuff over the weekend, because... I was kind of feeling sick-ish, so I just, you know, secluded myself, contact, no contact with anybody for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I watched a movie called Hush. Oh yeah, you were talking about this. But yeah. The uh, Abstentia director. Yes. Okay. Uh, the deaf woman who like lives secluded out in the woods. Right. Uh, is forced to combat a home invader, and he's got a crossbow. Oof. Uh, so... You know, most movies don't fit this description, but it was a deadly game of cat and mouse. <laughs> uh, I feel like a bunch of movies get that description of Dead and Right. It sounds like it could be horror or thriller territory. It is both. Okay. Uh, I mean, have you ever seen, like, The Strangers with Liv Tyler? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's along that line. Oh, okay. Uh, but it's, it's, it's sort of fun to see movies like this, because, you know, the first 10-15 minutes is her and how she lives and like her friend comes over and you know introduces the characters and their limitations you know stuff like that you know home invasion thrillers done right you know make you not want to be at home yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to say when you mentioned the others or not the others the strangers, strangers. i uh i saw that movie on a summer uh afternoon Okay. In a theater packed with teenagers okay. who were texting and laughing uh, and talking the whole time. Uh, and uh, I don't want to say it ruined my experience of viewing it, but it definitely took a lot of the scare away. Sure. <laughs> uh, last time I saw it, I've seen it twice. Last time I saw it, it was with like a group of friends and one of them said, 
he he firmly believes that Liv Tyler, her like go to points as as an actress are either crying or whispering. <laughs> so like the movie's starting, like the credits are rolling, and he asks, he's like, does Liv Tyler cry or whisper? And it's like the moment the credits are done, it's a cut to Liv Tyler crying, <laughs> and then she like whispers some inaudible dialogue. <laughs> I was like, all you can fucking eat. <laughs> uh, do you think that in her next role, she's going to try and stretch and do like, and be like an auctioneer or just a shout a lot? When Tyler is a traveling auctioneer. <laughs> Believable. That's, what, that's the word off, off the top of my head. <laughs> Another thing where you got to shout. Uh, soccer announcer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Little Tyler trying to make her way through the boys' club that is soccer announcements. <laughs> I'd watch that. Um, we could get we, we could get you know like guest appearances from Pele, yeah, <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo, and Beckham. Those are all the soccer players I know. <laughs> Uh, I would like to see her, you know, you know, today's game, deciding who truly is the greatest country on earth, <laughs> Paraguay or Uruguay. <laughs> um, I watched a really good movie, too. I watched um, Lo and Behold. Oh, yeah. The Werner Herzog documentary. Mm-hmm. And I really, I mean, like, if you're on board for Werner Herzog, you're already on board for this. Like, you know, you know what you're getting, pretty much, like. I'm not going to delve into that, but what I realized this time around is that um, what he's what he does with his documentaries, quote unquote, is that they're they're almost more like essays, sure. like film essays, um, where it's like I almost want to stop calling nonfiction film documentary and start mm. calling it like nonfiction and fiction. You know, like spread them out that way. Because mm. um, yeah, he has no problem. Sort of rehearsing people or scripting people. Yeah, and inserting himself into it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, so, yeah. like, I mean, Errol Morris is the same way. Or it's, and I would put him in the same category where it's like, if you're on, if you're in for one of their documentaries, you're watching specifically something by them, they have a point of view and you want to see what they have to say about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, in that, in that respect, they're very much like essays, basically. Yeah, that's true. I mean, people don't like that word. It sounds like, academic and gross but yeah. like, that's basically what these are yeah um, video essays yeah cinematic essays sure there's like a scene in there where it's like the monks are tweeting right and he had to like purpose to like gather them together to capture that scene yeah uh, and he says he's like I have no problem doing it like I have no like dilemma in this because it's all staged to show a greater truth like even if it is a lie sure yeah 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 so he's like the point like I need to illustrate the point on film yeah. Well, yeah. all film is artifice anyway, right? So. Sure. <laughs> but, you know, with a with documentary, there's sort of uh, the code that you're not going to, like, disturb the subject matter. You're supposed to let them be and do what they will. Right. So, you know, he kind of goes against that, but... Yeah, but to prove a point, which is why, which is what I mean, where it's like he's, he's making an essay. He's got a yeah. point of view. The only part that I didn't like about that documentary was when it showed, like, the downside. And it was, like, the people who are, like, addicted to the internet. <laughs> Which, I've definitely, like, wasted plenty of time on the internet myself. But I'm always like, these people would be addicted to something. Yeah. It's just that internet was there first. Yeah. 
Like, if it was any other time, they'd just be addicted to something else stupid. Yeah. I wanted him to push the family a little bit more. The one who was like, who had the pictures of their daughter mm-hmm. who had been in the crash circulated on the internet. Oh, yeah. I wanted him to push the mom a little bit more and be like, what do you mean the internet is the Antichrist? You know, like, she, oh, he just yeah. leaves it at that. And I'm like, what? Is, I mean, obviously, it's because she's distraught and stuff and he doesn't want to like. And that hasn't guy. stopped him before. I know. <laughs> He had that one documentary about, like, people on death row. And right. he was, like, parading, like, pictures of, like, victims in front of these people. Yeah. And to, like, the, the like, uh, you know, the uh, survivors, you know, like, the or, like, the family members of the deceased. Like, he would, like, plop out, like, pictures of the deceased and be like, what does this make you feel like? He's really, like, he does not care. I know. That these people have been through some shit. For some reason... That woman can get away with calling the internet the Antichrist. <laughs> and he's like, and cut. And great, thanks, ma'am. <laughs> we'll be leaving now and won't have any of your delicious pastries that you've laid out for us. care to introduce this movie that we watched this week this week we watched the 1965 sexploitation classic faster pussycat kill kill directed by none other than champion perv himself russ meyer (laughs) king of the nudies (laughs) which there was no nudity in this yeah no you're right it got close but there's no actual nudity Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh I've never seen this. This was my first time seeing it. I've actually never seen a Russ Meyer film. This is the only one of his that I've seen. Okay. And, uh, I liked it a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it was a lot, it was a lot of fun. I I can safely say I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like this movie before. Okay. It was really, it's weird. Yeah. (laughs) The plot is bonkers. Three exotic, three... Drag racing exotic dancers. <laughs> On their day off. Yeah, in the desert. I don't even know why they're out there. It uh, seems like they're having a race to the swimming hole at the very beginning. Is that what they're doing? Well, the blonde, like, parks and then just dives in with her clothes on. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, I'm not sure, though. But yeah, they, they stumble across what's basically, like, the plot of, you know, like, Don't Breathe or something where... There's some old dude that they believe has a lot of money stashed away. Right. And they go and try to steal the money, and there's sort of complications. Yeah, well, it's complicated before that because there's a dude that meets them at the mud flats. Yes. They drag race. Things get heated. Yeah. She, she cuts them off. Yeah. Without using her turn indicator. <laughs> and uh, they get into a tussle. Without using her turn indicator. <laughs> Women drivers, am I right? (laughs) She had put her foot to the accelerometer too much. (laughs) Didn't apply the decelerator quite fairly. (laughs) But yeah, so cuts him off. They get into a out of car tussle, and she kills him. Yeah, breaks his neck. Yeah, and then kind of kidnaps his uh, little lady friend. His Bathing suit clad lady friend. Yeah, and this is our uh, this is our hero. Anti heroine. Yeah. <laughs> she uh, 
She's but, the one we're following around. Yeah, she's she's the protagonist. Maybe that's, that's a better maybe, word. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Uh, but so there, <laughs> there's this opening scene. Well, I mean, it's not necessarily just an opening scene, but this whole series of events that transpires. Mm-hmm. They go. They refill. They go to the gas station. And they have they run to what is probably the dopiest gas station attendant. Yes, ma'am. What can I do for you today? And there's a a really bad example, or it was it's a telling not showing scene. <laughs> so we have this whole drag race murder kidnapping thing, you know, in like the first ten minutes or so. Yeah, it happens real fast. We get to the gas station. And the gas station attendant basically explains what you're going to be seeing for like the next <laughs> half hour or so. Yeah, there's there's a line I think that she says. And here's where our screenplay starts to unfold right now. It's like, hey, they're really letting you know. <laughs> but yeah, the gas station attendant basically explains all the next characters that you're going to see, their history and their motivations to these three strange ladies. Just so there's no, you know. I mean, it, Confusion. It, it was a nice, tidy way to get the plot sort of <laughs> out of the way, but... Yeah. Meanwhile, there's a dead body in the trunk of one of their cars. Yeah. Which I don't even think we ever see again. Nope. <laughs> and they're in the desert. Yeah. It's like 100 degrees, that thing is going to smell. Well, you know, it's only taking place over the course of a couple hours. Okay. Well, still. So, before we get too much into the plot, I gotta ask you a question. Okay. Would you say this movie is sexist? Meaning, like, derogatory towards women? Like, yeah. Puts, puts them down? Um, I would argue the opposite. Okay. I would argue it's kind of a pro-feminist okay. stance. Yeah. In that they're, they're pretty powerful women. Uh-huh. I mean, like, showing a woman killing a guy with her bare hands is... Is strong imagery, you know? Well, so at the very beginning, we have this sort of, like, Outer Limits introduction. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to violence. And the way that it's introduced is, like, these are some sort of, like, super women. You know, I think they even actually say that at yeah. some point. That, you know, these are, like, it's like a new breed of super women or something like that. Right. But, really, they're just tough broads. Right. Like, there's, they're not superficially enhanced or anything like that. They're just tough ladies who like driving fast and <laughs> yeah. living living hard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um but yeah, and even like he films them in a way too that makes you feel like they're very powerful. Like he, he does all these undershots, yeah. which probably accentuates their boobs, which is probably why he was doing it. Sure. But it makes you feel puny in comparison to them right? sure. it feels like you're looking up to these huge tall yeah, he women does, like you know? the hero shot a lot with them yeah and it um i think it's super effective from a from like a pro woman standpoint i read somewhere that someone said that russ myers filmed uh is it tara satana yeah that sounds right uh filmed uh satana the same way that Don Siegel filmed Clint Eastwood in Dirty Harry. Oh, okay. That it had that same like level of like gravitas. Yeah. She's I mean, yeah, it's like she she's a great character. Sure. And like the way she's acting is really great too, but he 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 films her strong too, you know. I guess all three ladies were like legit strippers. Oh, yeah, that's right. I was reading about I was reading about the main character. 
I'm not going to attempt her name. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I guess they just... She had, like, an act. I guess this was, like, in the 60s. Now it's, like, commonplace in, like, burlesque or cabaret to do this. But I guess at the time it was new. It was, like, she had, like, the, the pasties on, uh-huh. the tassels. And she would, like, get one twirling one direction. Oh, and then yeah. she'd stop it and get the other one twirling. And then she'd, you know, bend over backwards and, like, get them twirling. Oh, like, yeah. Uh, and she said that was always a showstopper. So I guess, like, in the early 60s, like, that hadn't become a staple. Oh, yeah. Because now it's, like... Every like <laughs> audiences night. don't get that nipple, <laughs> yeah. that tasty twirly. Yeah, they're asking for their money back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I guess she did that act, and like someone who worked for Russ Meyer was like, "Oh, he's got to see this chick." Oh yeah. Uh, and so like he came down to the club and like hired all three of them for the movie. So on the Wikipedia page for Russ Meyer, yeah, uh, under this section, big breast fixation <laughs> or the Meyer physical archetype, uh-huh. the first sentence is. Russ Meyer's lifelong unabashed fixation on large breasts featured prominently in all of his films and is his best-known character trait, both as an artist and as a person. (laughs) Yeah, he openly admits to it. Uh, On YouTube, there's a clip of him on Conan Mm O'Brien back when, like, Conan O'Brien had, like, the 1AM show. Uh And he wasn't really even promoting anything. He was just on... Because they showed a clip from Faster Pussycat, mm-hmm. but and I th- they may have said that like it was coming to VHS or something. Yeah, it got like a that. re-release in like ninety four, ninety five, something. Okay, like that. So, yeah. Uh, so maybe he was on like promoting its like re-release on video, but like, yeah, he wasn't promoting anything new. Mm-hmm. But he talked like Conan O'Brien like asked for that. I was like, you have an obsession with women's breasts. Is that fair? Hmm, I wouldn't say it's an obsession, but I, I care for them a great deal. <laughs> All right. I guess if you devote like, your entire career to making movies like that, you kind of just have to own it. Yeah, like denying would be a little yeah. difficult. <laughs> so he's just like, yep, I just like them that way. And they have, uh, like that, that section that I read the first sentence for goes, kind of goes really in depth about like different body types of women okay. and calling like even going so far as to say that they're not that they're more hourglassy than like certain other okay female of the time but like it gets really specific where i was like i don't even know who you're like talking about like measurements a little bit even where i was like okay this is getting kind of gross like i'm horse trading or something <laughs> um but yeah, he likes his... He, and these women deliver in uh, oh, the, yeah. the mammary department, <laughs> I will, I'll tell you. They got, they got big boobs going on. <laughs> uh, the reason why I asked her if you felt that was sexist is because I feel the movie's definitely pervy. Yeah, yeah. But it's not... Yeah, I don't feel like it's sexist. It feels like they're, they're like empowering because they use their sex in, right. like, in, in devious ways, but at least they're, they're you know... They have agency over, like, themselves completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's sort of, like, to the consternation of men around them. Yeah. Like, the men are the ones who are, like, confounded by, like, these, like, tough sexual women. Right. It passes the Bechdel test. It definitely does. So, I mean, in 65, 66, whatever it was. So, like, I mean, that's something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would also argue that it's a strong or pro-feminist because... The guy in the wheelchair, um, he's depicted as 
like a real dumb, a real misogynist, yeah. basically. Yeah. He's like, I like the line, like, They let them vote, smoke, and drive, even put them in pants. So what do you get? A, a Democrat for president. He obviously is, is depicted as like a woman hater. Yeah. I feel. A regular Trump. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's definitely, even like the one, the dude who's supposed to be like the simpleton, mm -hmm. seems to be okay with ladies more than the guy who, you know, supposedly has all his mental faculties. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's why I would say maybe it's um, a little more... A little more pro, even though there's like, I mean, there's issues too. It's not a perfect film in that regard, I would say. But Right, because they're still sort of being objectified. Like, these women were hired for the part because of physical attributes rather than acting talent. Right. But I'm like, you know, so is Arnold Schwarzenegger, you right. know. And she, I mean, like, Varla yeah. is like... Definitely a bad person. You know? Yeah, definitely. Like, she, it, I found myself, it was weird, like, after the murder takes place, I was like, the whole time I kept kind of being on her side and rooting for her, like, hoping sure. she'd get away with it, and then, like, rethinking, like, wait, but she killed that guy. Yeah. So it was like, it's, it's a weird feeling. So, like, I'm paraphrasing Sam Raimi, but he said, like, a good move in a good movie, the innocent shall suffer... The guilty will be punished, and blood will be shed. Mm -hmm. uh, and this movie definitely fits that. Yeah, because uh, yeah, it's like the the girl who didn't do anything in the bikini. She's having she a just rough gets day. kidnapped. <laughs> yeah, As her, her boyfriend is killed, and yeah. then she's dragged and you know to this you know I'm like middle of nowhere wasteland, really because uh, Varla is gonna trade her for money pretty much like yeah. that's the idea is that either like as a distraction or like just a straight up trade but like the old dude is gonna get her in exchange for money in, in one way or another yeah and i wasn't totally clear on his intentions with her because there's like was he just gonna rape her and kill her is that yeah. the plan like, or just and I would kind of get the impression that they've done that before with girls? Or is that yeah, just me? Maybe. No, I, I kind of get that idea that, you know, it's like being on a ship out at sea, pirate style. You yeah. Know? Ugh. <laughs> well, yeah, because they definitely say, like, you were too rough with the last one, like the big guy. Yeah. It was too rough, so I think <clears throat> the implication was, like, rape and kill. Yeah. Okay. Well, and then, well, what's the, like... Uh, older brother, Kirk or Kurt or I think his name. Yeah, is. like what's he doing this whole time that the that the raping and murdering is going on? Well, he does because he seems kind of sane. He does seem kind of sane. He also seems sort of dissatisfied staying out there. Yeah, like I got the implication that like the first chance he got to take off, he would. He's <laughs> like the dad's like, hey, we need to get some supplies. I'll get them. I'm going. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> but you know, at the end. The survivors are like the good people, like the yeah, I guess the smart older true. brother and the the bikini clad chick. Yeah, and all the evil women have you know been destroyed either you know by each other or you know at their own demise. Sure. Well, and Varla gets run over by innocent girl. Yeah, yeah. Which um, 
you could maybe make the argument that she's taking agency finally. Yeah. In a oh, way. definitely. So, yeah. Um, she's, so then again, you got the pro-feminist. She's, she's gotten over being the damsel in distress, and now she's yeah. the one behind the wheel. Yeah. Driving, even. <laughs> What's the world coming to? <laughs> uh, did you enjoy the scene where uh, Beefcake is uh, weightlifting? A little bit, yeah. Of course. It was... Uh, kind of thinking how he it's funny how he gets objectified yeah and i was trying to think of a movie around this time where they do that where they objectify the men a mid-60s movie where they objectify men yeah uh i don't know i mean a lot of those like sort of golden age of hollywood movies if there's ever like a scene on the beach yeah it dates to a time when like men wore less than women at the beach yeah uh, so, like, they would just have, like, skimpy little, you know, smaller than biker short shorts. Yeah. While women were, like... That covered their belly buttons somehow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, women would be, like, wearing things that had, you know, collars. Yeah. <laughs> Big hats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just was wondering, like, between this, between that scene and, like, the, the main ladies and their outfits running around, like... How many people do you think had their, like, sexual awakenings <laughs> watching this movie? Well, this wasn't Russ Meyer's first film. Okay. He had, he had made previous yeah. ones. Uh, and they must have had, you know, large-breasted women in them, too. But, you know, there had... I mean, I'm sure there were other sexploitation films. It's just this was, like... I guess this was a bomb upon its release, but yeah. has since been uh, re-evaluated. Uh, John Waters says it's the greatest movie ever made and that ever will be Possibly made. Possibly <laughs> ever will be made, yeah. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, I, I, I know a lot of the references to it, so I'm glad I've finally gotten around to seeing this. Like, the, the Pee Wee movie that just came out, like, two years ago or last year or something like that. Um, a Pee Wee Herman movie? Yeah, it was on Netflix. Oh, I didn't see that one. Okay, oh, yeah, it's, it's fun. He runs into some protagonists several times throughout. It's this group of three women who are dressed just like these characters. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. They drive fast and live hard. <laughs> Pretty fun. And, uh, I mean, it had a big influence on Tarantino for Death Proof. True, yeah. Uh, Russ Myers is, like, one of the people that, like, he thanks, like, at the end of the movie, like, specifically. And, I mean, he definitely likes his sexploitation films. Yeah. And I knew this mostly, before anything, I knew it mostly from um, the Cramps cover of the, oh. of the main song. Oh, do they really? They cover the... Yeah. I really like that song. I thought... I, I didn't know it was a cover. I thought it was an original Cramps song about the movie. Oh, okay. And so... I want to check that out. Yeah, it's good. It's pretty straightforward, but... I mean, this movie screams the Cramps. <laughs> they have an album called Smell of Female, which is one of the lines in the movie. Oh, okay, the okay. I, it doesn't always land for me, but I love how the dialogue in this movie is, like, ripped right out of, like, some pulpy noir. Totally. Like, every line is, like, some shitty beatnik poetry. (laughs) I liked it. Oh, I loved it. It feels snappy in a weird, not unnatural way. No, I mean, it, it helps sort of define that world, like, this is sort of the world that these characters exist in. Yeah. Uh, but the, yeah, it, it just struck me as, like, so noirish. Like, you know, you watch, like, Devil Indemnity, and they have, like, their little back and forth. Sure. And, you know, they have, like, lingo, or, like, 
you know, if you ever saw The Sweet Smell of Success, like, that movie's, like, 90%, like, hard-boiled 50s jargon. <laughs> like, it didn't bother me that, like, I don't even think it crossed my mind that nobody ever talks this way. <laughs> you know, like, even in the 50s, I don't think I would have allowed that. <laughs> but, like, it was, it was just, like, fit for what was happening. There is one, it was after the blonde chick has sex with the muscle man. Mm-hmm. And she's, like, walking back to the rest of the group. And uh, Varla, like, looks over and goes, You are a long time coming. You're telling me. What's he writing? I was like, that, that, was, that was smart. I like that. Nice <laughs> little subtle entendre. <laughs> Speaking of beefcake a little bit more, I liked when we're kind of first introduced to him. Uh-huh. Well, the first introduced to him, he's carrying his dad. Yes. Um, but then, like, later when he's inside, the next time he's petting a kitty on the yeah. table... And it's just, like, he's he's obviously, like, simple. Yeah. But he's also sweet. Yeah. So it's sort of like, you get this, like, what's the character from Of Mice and Men? George? Or is that the, no, I think George is the other one. Yeah. The big guy from Of Mice and Men. Yeah. You get kind of that impression with him um, until the end when he, he turns violent. Yeah. Well... You talking about the very end when Varla's trying to crush him with a car? <laughs> well, he stab no, when he stabs. Um, oh yeah, no, our, oh yeah, that's right. One of our protagonists, which I thought felt wrong. From you know, I don't know. I guess I didn't completely understand his motivation. I feel like he should have gotten off a little bit. <laughs> not well, he, pun not intended. <laughs> he he kind of did. Because he does, he's not killed in like the showdown between him and Varla and the car. He crawls away from it, but it's it's sort of he's out for the count at least. Like, right? You know, I, the implication I think is that he'll recover, but just not today. Because yeah, he's. Okay. I guess I was confused because she said two out of three or something like that, and then walks away. I thought that she had. Oh, I mean, maybe him. maybe he'll eventually die, but yeah. Like, he, he still, like, walked away, like, because the car wheels dug up the sand so yeah. much that she couldn't go forward anymore. So I thought the implication was that he was just down for the count, but not not totally defeated. Okay. Yeah, and I guess he couldn't really testify against him. Yeah. No one would trust that. <laughs> that pretty face. <laughs> uh, the old guy refers to Varla at one point to go back to the, the pulpy noir uh, it was like before really anything went down, but uh, he describes Varla as being a cold one, all right. More stallion than mare. It's too much for one man to handle. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> um, that uh, lunch that they have yeah. is real awkward. <laughs> like, they're already on shaky ground, I feel like, and then to be like, why don't you come in and have lunch? It's sort of like, what are you doing? No, get him out of here. This is weird. Well, you know, it dates back to a more uh, congenial time in our history. I guess. It, it, this also, this movie also boasts the most uh, seductive coronating scene I think I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, there was an episode of Thirty Rock where Alec Baldwin had to eat a corn on the cob, and he was told to make it sexy. <laughs> I wonder if that's a reference to this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you happen to watch the trailer for this movie? No, I really, I meant to. I ache for 
for the days when trailers were this awesome. Slashing, tackling, gouging, hacking, flipping, belting, smashing, and blasting. Muscle to muscle, bone to bone. For an incredible evening's entertainment, a film so totally satisfying, see Russ Meyer, faster pussycat, kill, kill. You know, trailers nowadays don't even have announcers for the most part, narrators. No. Uh, they just show clips in a convenient order. With, and... like, that drop. Boom. <laughs> and then some Skrillex on the end. I was going to say either that or it's, like, a dark cover of, like, a popular song. Yeah, totally. But I, I, don't, I, admit, I miss announcements and I miss big, like, you know, uh, captions mm-hmm. on the screen. And like, yeah, the... I, I mean, this kind of dates to a time when, like, promotion was everything. Like, the, you know, word of mouth was pretty scant, so it's like... Yeah, and then you wouldn't you wouldn't see the trailer as, like, a commercial on TV. You'd n- see it when you went to the movies. Yeah. So, like, that's the only way you Especially for a movie like this, like, you know, yeah. the American Broadcasting Company probably wasn't eager to show <laughs> Faster Pussycat Kill Kill yeah. advertisements. It, um, it strikes me as, like, the perfect drive-in movie. Oh, yeah. You know, like... You could, you could, it's broad enough that you could walk away for a minute or make out for a little while and then come back and it's still like, it'll be there for you, you know? <laughs> it's got something for the fellas and the ladies. Yeah. Just, uh, it seems like a perfect drive-in movie. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, one of those shady grindhouse theaters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it, it, it has that like right level of fun, but it's not totally brainless. Yeah. It's funny how feminism has evolved, too, because there was some famous critic who saw it in the 70s and, like, said it was basically softcore porn, and I can't believe yeah. I'm being subjected to this, but then rewatched it on the re-release in the 90s and had a completely different view. Okay. And, like, went, you know, 180 on it and was basically like, oh, this is actually pretty great. Yeah. It, it like, And he may have stumbled backwards into it, but it's like, no, you're depicting strong female characters with... Their own agency. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's something. Especially in 66, you know, or 65. I'll never get it right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, that is sort of... That, that's why I feel like Russ Meyer actually was very pro-women's rights, because, yeah, they're eye candy. Yeah, he hires based on, you know, measurements and not acting talents. Mm-hmm. But his characters aren't necessarily... I mean, at least in this movie, I can't speak for all his movies. Mm -hmm. But they, you know, they're not just one-dimensional. They're not just there as, like, you know, boner stimuli. Like, they actually, like, play an important part and, you know, are well-rounded in, in, you know, their roles in the movie. So... We ogle them, but we get to respect them, too. Sure, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Because uh, I wouldn't say that... I mean, if, if you say that it, the female characters are flat, then you kind of just say the same thing about the male characters. Yeah. Like, they're more developed than the male characters. Yeah, the male the, characters are pretty one-dimensional. So, yeah, I mean, there's just, like, a, the simpleton, the villain, and, like, the okay brother. Yeah. <laughs> and they definitely don't change. <laughs> no. But, yeah, with, like, uh, Varla, it's like, she's sort of evil and mean, but you're mm-hmm. still sort of on her side. Like, there's that complexity to her that even though she murders someone in the first ten minutes of the movie, like, you know, a fairly innocent person, Mm -hmm. uh, you're still sort of sympathizing with her and rooting for her. 
Yeah, there's something about a strong female character, especially in this time, too, who's just, like, shutting down that gas station attendant, like, <laughs> and just being, like, a boss, you yeah. know, that is really cool. Yeah, I'm trying to think of characters, or movies that had, I mean, women of this caliber, because there was definitely strong women in, like, noir films, and, like, throughout, like, mm-hmm. the 30s and 40s. And there's women that, who are of a higher stature who are, who are allowed that that kind of agency you know but like she's she just she's a, a dancer you yeah know, an exotic dancer yeah so it's like it's nice to see somebody from you know the rest of us being able to rise up and you know still be powerful and especially with the blonde woman you get the idea that you know she took the job as an exotic dancer because she likes to dance yeah like it was it it, it was like an outlet for her own passion right like that's why she did it it wasn't like she was like forced into it or subjected to it or they, you know, or she's I mean, dancing off the clock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, don't you get enough of that at the joint? Oh, there's an audience here. I'll give you a hip My motor never runs down, baby. And besides, you are such a wonderful audience. You know, there's, there's never an implication that they are exotic dancers because they have to or that they don't like their job. It's like they're doing it because they like it. Yeah. Yeah, there's no mention of like a boyfriend or a husband for any of them in no. fact i even got the the impression that varla and the italian one whose name i can't remember that accent was so thick oh i wrote it down rosie okay uh i kind of got the impression that they had like maybe had some sort of a thing oh yeah yeah just because there was a line that billy the blonde one had that was Va- oh, I wish I'd written it down, but she was vague enough where she's like, I always leave my options open or something. I always have the option to move on or something like that okay. to the Italian one, uh, Rosie, meaning like I got the impression that it was like, oh, well, Rosie's really in love with Varla. Oh, okay. Um, and also just the way that Varla screams Rosie's name when she gets stabbed and like, I don't know, I got not not necessarily that they're that they're partners but like they've had some something a little more than just friendship okay i can see it uh i mean varla or not not varla rosie i think is the only one that doesn't hook up with a dude right right or get close to it anyway yeah she's a real wet blanket the whole time (laughs) (laughs) yeah she's on billy's case about dancing about swimming about everything she's just not on board she seems real grumpy about this whole trip. <laughs> she needs. She wants to go back to her strip club yeah. <laughs> and just dance. Uh, she she didn't want to go to the lake in the first place. Yeah, she's, that's true. She's like, uh, what's his name from Clerks? Not even supposed to be here today. I don't know if we need to. If we need to keep this in, but um, I really liked the cut from when Billy was glugging the uh, whiskey. Yeah. Right to Varla and the older brother making out. Like, okay. Did you notice that, like, the close-up was the same? So it was like... They're both supping at... Yeah, something. so, like, it's, like, in frame, we have uh, Billy's face and then the bottle. And then when it cuts to the make-out, it's, like, the line where their lips would be okay. is exactly the same. Okay. And that is no Hollywood kiss. So they're, like, their mouths are open. <laughs> They were enjoying themselves. They were guzzling each other. Each other. 
Uh, that's good filmmaking. I guess this is all I'm getting to with that. Is it's like small touches like that make for a good make for good viewing. Yeah, I I wonder because so Roger Ebert only wrote one movie in his life, and it was Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Yeah, which I tried to watch once, but got it confused with Welcome to the Dollhouse. <laughs> so I started watching that movie, mm-hmm. and I was like waiting for Roger Ebert's name to come up in the credits, and they, it never did. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, maybe he used a pseudonym or something. Uh, so I, I, you know, I watched all of Welcome to Dollhouse. It's a great movie. Yeah, Todd Salons. Uh, but the whole time I watched it, I was like, God, Roger Ebert wrote this? <laughs> I was like, like mid-90s? I was like, people said that this was bad. This was a great movie. <laughs> Someone pointed out to me, like, several months later that it was beyond the value of the dolls that he wrote. Oh, wow. And yeah, Russ Myers directed. But I mean, so Roger Ebert must have seen that, like, Russ Myers had some directing chops. Either right. that Because or... that came after this, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was in the mid-70s. Maybe early 70s. Yeah, and he was a critic at that point, wasn't he? I mean, I know that he was probably writing film reviews, yeah. I don't know if he was, like, really published or well-known at that point. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so he must have been a Russ Meyer fan. I mean, maybe Roger Ebert just like his full-figured gals, too. <laughs> he dated Oprah. Uh, yeah? Really? Yeah, oh. like the early 90s or something. Oh. There you go. Yeah, because uh, before he he like lost the the ability to speak, uh, he like said he like wrote like a big like mash note to his wife at the time and like said at the very top like you're the smartest woman that I've ever dated or ever been with, which was sort of a backhanded slap at Oprah. I feel. <laughs> <laughs> Did you find that out from watching that documentary, Life Itself? No, uh, uh, I just have a friend who's big into celebrity gossip. Okay. So. I just picture Oprah watching that at home and just like, <laughs> like holding a wine glass and like crushing it in her hand. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, Oprah. Something like that. Do you think, you really think she takes the time to watch documentaries on dead ex-boyfriends? Just, I just picture her carrying this flame for him. <laughs> <laughs> to have that, that last... Salt in the wound was a little too much for her. <laughs> she has this huge empire, but all she wants is Roger Ebert's heart. Where is that movie? <laughs> I'm envisioning some sort of play Misty for me. <laughs> yeah. Except instead of the song Misty... It's gotta be a movie. Yeah, know. I was gonna say. Play, play Misty for me for me. <laughs> play, play Misty for me. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> God, we're just full of ideas. <laughs> Hollywood. Uh, all right, next week, erotic thriller between Oprah and Roger Ebert's romantic <laughs> <laughs> entanglement. <laughs> play, play Misty for me, for me. Mm. I want to. I, I just want to say, as a final thing, um, good pick. Okay. Yeah, I uh there's always these movies that you know you should watch someday or like they're on your radar for references and da da da, da but they're just like so far back burner that you, you may never get to them. Yeah. And um I'm really glad I, I finally saw this one because there are a lot of references to it and a lot of things that I like. Yeah. Um and uh I just didn't know it until I watched it and so thanks for making me watch it. Well, 
This is a shitty power that I would actually want, is to know exactly where my dog wants to poop at first try. <laughs> like, I want to be able to walk out and be like, she wants to go there! <laughs> and just walk straight there. Rather than walking around for like 10-15 minutes in the morning or at night. What if that power worked on every other dog except for your own? <laughs> You love your dog so much you can't give it up, but it's like, oh my god, I wish I could just use my power on you. Is she immune to it? Or am I just not effective? Or is it because I love my dog that my power is nullified? Oh, I like the second one. <laughs> <laughs> That's the it's proof that you love your dog. Yeah. So that, like mornings when I'm pissed, like the power works again. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you have to find a way to get angry. But you try not to look at her. Because then, you know, you see her into her eyes, you're like, oh. Oh, man, I lost it. <laughs> That's a good conflict there. Yeah. I like that. Gives my character depth. Yeah. <laughs> you're already uh, more developed than uh, Wheelchair Man. <laughs> well, is there anything you want to add before we uh, plug our junk? Well, I'd like to add what I'd like to watch for next week. Oh, yeah. That's important to the <laughs> whole flow of this thing. Uh, I'm going to try something a little different. Sure. And uh, I'm going to make us watch a movie that I know is not great. Okay. But I think uh, we can talk about a lot with it. Okay. Um, and it's a movie I can watch anytime. Okay. I'm going to make you watch Pacific Rim. Oh, God. Yes. <sighs> if you insist. <laughs> yeah, I feel like... Even though it's going to be difficult to defend this choice, um, there's a lot of things, or a lot of lenses I can use, we can use to watch. It's this. often cited as one of the best uses of digital uh, filmmaking. Yeah, and we haven't had a big blockbuster, and no. blockbuster season is upon us. Upon us. Yeah. yeah, I have been thinking about how I've been sort of aching for like a big blockbuster. I haven't watched one in a while. Yeah. Well, here you go. All right. <laughs> if you say so. I say so. We plug in junk. Let's plug it. We are on Twitter at X Rated Movies. We're on Facebook. Rated X Movies. Email us x.rated.movies at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. And uh, rate review, subscribe on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Overcast, on whatever you're using. And tell your friends to do the same because nothing says loving like telling your friends what to do <laughs> please pretty please sugar on top rate our fucking show <laughs> uh, and thanks for listening we'll see you next week hopefully with Pacific Rim Pacific Rim until then bye, bye.